From the Third Coast International Audio Festival and Chicago Public Radio, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. Today, Long Haul Productions. Break one night for the dynamo, break one night for the spiderweb. Sometimes we'll get calls, uh, people wanting to know what rates we have for you know, freight hauling hauling. freight across the country. Yeah. But of course, we're in it for the long haul in, in our marriage and in our work. We sort of specialize in what we call longitudinal stories. Longitudinal. Don't hesitate to repeat the words. After all, your objective is to learn quickly and correctly. Longitudinal. A correlation research study that involves observations of the same items over long periods of time. Come back. Where we follow a story anywhere from a couple of days to uh, over a year. Take mental notes. These key words will be used again later in the recording. This here superstar is headed for double nickel. ReSound is a remix of music, found sound, sound bites, sound art, documentaries, and odd audio from all over the world. We might pull work from seasoned producers, radio rookies, the internet, overseas, over Dale, under a rock. We never know where we're going to find it. Today we feature the work of Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister of Long Haul Productions, producers who specialize in stories that follow people over days, weeks, and even years time when our collective atrophied attention span adds up to about a nanosecond. Long Haul offers us something completely different. The long view over a long time. It's not the easiest way to tell a story. It's labor-intensive and time-consuming, but the results are richer and more revealing. We'll talk to Dan and Elizabeth about their work and their partnership later in this hour, but first, here's one of their favorite stories. In the fall of 2002, Catherine Means was living on the 10th floor of what she describes as hell, Chicago's Stately Gardens high-rise housing project. That September, she finally got out from under the bricks at Stateway and got into her first apartment. Long Hall followed Catherine, also known as Coco, for over a year as she transitioned to her new home and life. Here's moving out the bricks. How you doing? This 1012? Yes, it is. You ready to move? Yes, I am. Right. Today is September the 23rd, and I am moving out the brick. My name is Catherine Means. All of my friends, my good friends, call me Coco. I'm very, very happy today because it's been nothing good over here but bad times. And actually, the apartment next door, we were living with my aunt. I had a son, a baby boy. His name was Jerome. I came to Von Franklin Jr. He was six months and his daddy beat him to death. I decided to stay. Why would I want to stay here? I don't know. My mama used to always ask me, like, why would you want to be somewhere where your son died at? I don't know. I guess it's just a lot of my memories with him are from over here. And I had two more kids. They doing fine. They beautiful. But... It's been terrible. I'm glad we're leaving. I'm glad we're leaving. Is you happy? Yeah. You real, real happy? Yeah. You ready to go? Yeah. Why you ready to go? Because I hate Stayway. Why you hate Stayway? Because it's me, and people don't like people, and too much stuff going on around here. Aquanique is six years old. My baby girl, she's one years old. Her name is Unique. I got another one on the way. That one due in January. 
January the 8th to be exact. I'm glad because my youngest two, which would be my new baby and my one-year-old, they won't know nothing about Stateway. They won't even remember they ever even lived there, which is good. The moon, it might, it's probably going to be real good for her because now she won't be around so much negativity and now she has no, no other choice but to get up and take care of her business. Do what she got to do. Ain't no hanging out and all that other extra stuff. My name is Tanisha Harris. I'm a friend of Catherine's. Yes, I am. She's one of my friends who been motivating me, too. She need to get a job because she got two girls, and she need to start now while they're younger. So when they get up to the age, they won't be running around like all the rest of these little girls around here trying to find love and find somebody to take care of them because that's what they're doing. If their mother is still in them now, that they can take care of themselves, and they don't need a man to do it. That'll cut down a lot of little nasty little things and tricks their kids pull when they get to be teenagers. It all falls back on how you raise them. I know this move is going to motivate me to get off my behind and do something for myself. Long as I've been living here, all, the funnest thing I do is like wake up, drink a beer, smoke some weed, you know, which is bad. And I know moving in a, in a different neighborhood and just to look around you and see different people doing stuff for themselves in my apartment alone, just to be in that apartment is going to motivate me because there's so many things I want for this apartment. There's so much I want for my kids. It's going to motivate me. Here we go. Um, these are your keys right here. This has everything on it. Your front and back door key to your apartment. I just received my keys to my new apartment, my lease. And I'm like the happiest person in the world. And agreeing to move in at South Union, you are agreeing to the following. Monthly house inspections will be performed to ensure that the house is being well maintained. These inspections will be unannounced. No loitering on the front porch or yard. No drugs allowed on the premises. There's a lot of things that I do here that I'm not going to be able to do there. Which is for the better though. Like, I flick ashes on the floor a lot. Well, my new apartment, I can't do that because I got carpet and play loud music. You can't do that. We really can't sit on the porch. That's what no littering means, right? If any of the above guidelines are disregarded, it could be grounds for lease termination. Right. And then we will sign both of the. I have two copies, one for me, one for you. Okay. Okay. I think my jaw is going to be hurting for the rest of the day because so I can't stop girl. grinning. <laughs> okay, Nicole. Okay. Get them out this house. God bless you, and I'll see you soon. You too. Okay. Now my husband's cute. This is our home. I know. You like it so far, puss? I do. Ooh, this is like the Bahamas. This is literally like the Bahamas compared to Stateway. This neighborhood is. A lot of people told me at first, basically, like, uh, that neighborhood, that's a bad neighborhood. Why would you want to move over there? But I don't see no thugs hanging out on the corners. This your room, puss. What, this big, pretty white room? The walls. No handprints on the walls. Not on my wall. I'm taking care of my room. I'm keeping my room clean. I don't have a bed. So for right now, we're going to sleep on the floor. It's 
we got like these couch pillows. It'd be pretty comfortable. We got a lot of comforters. It'd be pretty comfortable. It's a carpet, so it's like camping out in your house. I feel secure being here. I gotta get my gas turned on, but it's 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 real nice. It's freezing though. Gonna take care of my kids? Yeah. Always. We're not your kids. We're gonna take care of our kids? Yeah, we're gonna take care of our kids. Because he's my kid's father, you know. He helps out a lot. He's not on my lease, and he, but he chooses to be here with his family, which is good. You know, he, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have anything. He chooses to stay here in the cold and freeze with us. My name is KT. I've been in Stateway 22 years. The things we've been through, my lifestyle. I mean, I made poor choices in my life. I've done a lot of things that I probably I ain't too proud of. She stood by my side when I was incarcerated. Once I got out, she made sure I had somebody to come home to, somebody who was waiting for me. You know, it worked out all right. Richard J. Oakley. It looks great. Even the letters shining. Look, the letters are shining. Today I'm taking my daughter to transfer her into her new school, which today is Thursday, but she's not going to start till Monday. But I'm just taking her over to transfer her in today. Good morning, Aquanique. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Fine. Fine. Okay, welcome to Oglesby School. I'm Mrs. Cooper. I'm your principal, okay? All right. Well, we would like to welcome you to Oglesby School. And like I said, uh, we are a uh, uh, school with school uniform. Okay. I love that. Good. Okay, that's I saw, great. I saw the gym uniforms too. The yes, school we, we just came from was so ghetto. They really didn't care, you know. They okay. have the blue and white, but they didn't okay. have gym uniforms or nothing. Okay, so. well, we have we're blue and white, so that's great. And we do have gym uniforms, which you may purchase. Do you have any questions about Oglesby School or anything? No, I like it. it I, 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 it's so pretty and beautiful. It's, it's nothing I need. I only want to add something. I, I mean, this is beautiful. I'm telling you, we just came from 35th and State. Okay. And my baby hasn't been to school none this year because I said I, re I refused it to put her back in that school until I moved. Okay. Right. And she's been out all okay. this time. All I said right. she's not well, going back to school. Okay, but it's, you know, one of the things since she hasn't been in school for about the last four she's weeks, be she's well, we're going to give you work. You know, the teachers will give you work, and I want you to help her at home to kind of catch, you know, to bring her up with the rest of the students. But it won't be difficult. It's not going to be hard. It's, it's gonna, about, it's about gonna, being a parent. Yeah, it's going to be a parent, and, and we want to help you so she'll be successful. That's what we're all about, you know, because her success is our success, and that's why we're here. I think you're going to like this school, sweetie. Today's the 30th of September, and it's been a week since I've been in my house. It's all right. Just born, need something to do badly. Find a job, go to school or something. Sitting here every day, it's like depressing me so bad. Cause it's just, it's nothing to do. No cable, no VCR. It's kind of hard, you know, like on 35th, it was always something to do. But now there's no friends around, there's nobody around, it's like boring. I guess it's got a lot to do with me growing now. I'm growing. 
No more wild parties. No more getting drunk all day, every day, smoking bud. I miss it, though. I miss Stateway. Dearly. This is a poem. It's called What Makes a Grandparent. Today was her first day of going back to school. What makes a grandparent? For this school year. And it's easy. She was lovely looking at her little blue and white. But it's not glasses or cookie smell. But it's not glasses or cookie smell. She can't read at all. And I think maybe that's my fault because maybe if I would have been reading with her, but we... We're going to practice. I'm going to study these words. Today, for the first time, whew, since she's been in school, I sat down and I literally helped her do her homework and we went over the words and we read the stories together, which it felt real good. It felt real good. There. There. If. If. Okay. Now, before you go to bed, we'll do it again. Okay. Okay. Now I can finish eating my sugar pop. Hey. How y'all feeling? The landlady came over. She laid down a couple of rules and regulations. A few I liked it, a few I didn't. I I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very concerned about the walls in such a short period of time. Right. Um, when I see stuff like this, I'm going to be like, okay, is it being taken care of? Because... You all have been here, what, about a week or two? Right. And I know you got kids. My name is Nicole Johnson. I'm the landlord of South Union. Um, I had gotten a complaint from um, the neighbors next door. The owner actually called me. Luckily, I knew him. And um, it was two of his people in his building complained that on uh, Wednesday and Thursday of last week, it was an excessive amount of noise on the front porch, and people were out. And I came over late that Friday because it was a concern of mine that, uh, you know, we were out of compliance with the lease. Okay. It's just a couple things that I want to reiterate. I live right around the corner, so I'm always driving by, and consistently it is like it's like a lot of traffic. You do want to, especially if you have a place that's nice, you do want to cut down on traffic. I'm just being honest with you. I don't know what you, she's I talking know the about. Young, though, you know, really? Like she don't want us to have company at all. What, what's the problem? You, you're not all mama means you running some type of girl shelter here or something. Well, what are you saying? Well, my concern would be that um, oftentimes, you know, a lot of black men may not, I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they have a job or they don't. I just know it's just historically, if you think about um, with, with a lot of black men, they just be looking for women to take advantage of and live off of them and move into something that is and not treat them well, not so and so, so and so. I don't know if that's happening or not. But all I know is that when you start respecting yourself as a woman and looking and viewing things differently, I would never have traffic coming in and out of my house. I don't have it unless I, for some apparent reason, was having some get-together to celebrate someone's birthday or something like that. Other than that, my home has become my sacred place, and I think that as a woman, you learn um, traffic going in and out should just be minimal. But if you didn't come from that environment, it's much more difficult to live that lifestyle. I don't know. I guess we just got to get over our little ghetto mentality. We've been living on 35th for quite a while, you know. So I guess she she's saying a lot of stuff for the best interest of us in this building. But certain things she's saying that I just, I'm not feeling her. What? The company. No sitting on the porch. Beat it. Well, you allowed to sit on the back porch, but not on the front porch. 
I'm saying though, I mean, I understand that, but I think that's like rude. We've been living on 35th all our life, and it's like we never was able to sit on our porch. We don't be rowdy, we just be sitting there. Everybody else sit on their porch. I mean, you the landlord, if that's what you say, that's what we got to follow. We, as African-American people, we don't have time to sit our butts around doing nothing. I'm sorry, it is always something to do. Like, I don't believe in people just sitting idle. I can't help somebody that can't help themselves. So one of my expectations for every last one of my tenants is for them to be moving forward. So that's why I dedicate most of all of my time to helping change people's lives. Every month, I do an event at the shelter in memory of my sister who spent her entire life on public assistance. I guess we can deal with it, but it's going to be hot a couple of more days this year. And until then, we're going to sit on the porch, so she's going to evict me. Oh, well, evict me, because I'm not going to keep my kids cooped up in the house all day. Today is the 7th of October. I've been living in this house for two weeks now. And I think I feel I should move. Well, my landlord says she feel I should move, too. And... I think it'll be for the best myself because it's a lot of strict rules. You can't sit on the porch. You can't do what you did in the projects. and uh, That's not right. That's not right. After Nicole left, my friends who were sitting around, everybody had, like, opinions about her. And they was like, well, she's trying to run your life. It's like she's discriminating on her from where she came from. That's not right. I think she won't. Coco to pretty much distance herself from the people that she was friendly with in the projects. Right, exactly. That's what I think she's trying to do. You, you can't take nobody friends with them. You know, you've been you've been their friend for so long. You can't just go. But then a few minutes later, Nicole called me downstairs. She asked me like if I would consider staying if I went to this good neighboring program, and I was like, I think about it. When I came back upstairs, I asked my friends, like, what y'all think? Is she that strict, like you said, she coming to you every week with something different? It's the walls, it's the people on the porch. Best thing you do is find somewhere else. But who said nothing? That Lord won't be the same way. Right. Because it might be hard for you to find another apartment. Mm -hmm. So you, and you, this nice. I'm keeping it real, this nice. But I wouldn't be able to deal with her. You have to follow your heart. If you really like the apartment and you want to be here, try to stick it out. No, I gotta sleep on it. Today is October the 9th, the next morning after the big day. And I slept on it and I thought about it. Sometimes you gotta follow rules. And I do like my apartment. I love my apartment. I love my daughter's school. And I said, I'm gonna stay. And just do the things I have to do, such as go to, like, the little training program she going to put me in. Yeah, I think Nicole just want to help me. I think she just want to see me do something for myself, you know, so I won't be sitting around for the rest of my life waiting on check day and stuff like that. Excuse me, I just want to give you these recovery. It's a couple of minutes um, after four, and we are at an employment center. Basically, they're not helping me. And one of the ways that you can help in building up your resume is to kind of look through this. I, used to I worked at Burger King for two weeks. That's the only job I ever had. That's the only thing I ever did. My mother never worked. 
My grandma, she never mentioned my grandma ever had a job. Yeah. I don't have a computer. Oh, you don't? I don't even know how to work a computer. Okay, well. To be honest, I'm not looking for a job. And the reason why I'm not looking for a job is because I'm seven months pregnant. I'm not even comfortable with getting out the bed every morning, let alone get up and walk around and have to do something or lift something. Today is October the 17th. Janine Ingram from Children Pattern is going to come out. Hey, what my baby going through? Mm, so much. Janine Ingram, she's the one who helped me find this apartment. What can we do to make this work? She's a sweet person, too. She want to see me do something with myself, too. I just think she's afraid. I think she's not used to being outside the developments. She used to living a certain type of lifestyle. And so this is a culture shock. I want to be like the rich people. I want to be able to call my mama like, Mom, what you doing this weekend? Let me take you to the Bahamas this weekend. You know what I'm saying? They're my dreams. Them the things I want to do. And I know I got to do for myself. And I know this. I know this. And I got big dreams. I got big dreams. Big dreams. Like, well, and they so bad that they just eat at me sometimes. Have you looked into getting your GED classes? Because, only because, though. I don't want to hear no excuses, Catherine. You know why? For real. No. It's not no excuse. It's cold in here. I want to make sure my kids are comfortable before I go somewhere and leave them off with their daddy to watch them. You should, You didn't get the gas and everything turned on when, before you moved in? I didn't know. You be out here in the real world, tell me. I don't know. This is my first time having my own apartment. I don't know nothing. Okay, well, okay, okay. Let me explain this to you, Captain. What did I tell you last time I talked to you? The thing about life, if you want something out of life, you got to go get it. And you got to stop using excuses. You're a strong black woman. You're going to have to make a commitment to yourself and decide what it is that you really want. Not talk. Do what it is that Catherine want to do and do it. And so we're going to see. When you walk across the stage, I just want to be invited to your graduation with your cap and gown. Hello, um, I'm calling to know when y'all next GED class is starting and what would I need to start the classes and what I need to do. Tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Good. Now, we're going to look at the selections of the black book. And the selection that I've selected for you tonight is Up From uh, Slavery, Booker T. Washington. Today is October the 29th. Today is my first day in school, and I'm happy I had fun. Does anyone know anything about Booker T. Washington? Please don't eat in here. This is like my 50th time to go for my GED. I just never continue to go to school. I'm going to finish this time. And I'm not around all the negative people I used to be around, so it's going to be real easy for me to do it now. Well, I believe it is. And just right, because you know why? We're going to practice, and you're going to become so good that nothing is going to stop you from acing that test. Don't be mad at me. Oh, Lord. Today's 24th of October. My landlord just came back because she sent me to get my hair done Tuesday and she just came back to see the results. What happened? I don't do curls. I told her just to leave it alone. She said she couldn't braid it. I said, well, leave it alone. Okay, so she didn't do it at all. And she put some curls in it, but they was oh. like real big curls. And you didn't like them? Think of yeah. Big Bird. Okay, 
a big yellow bird. You know, all his little feathers on him kind of were like curled. And I looked like Big Bird sister from Africa or something like that. And it was just ugly. Ugh. But girl, you know what? I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm so proud of you for going to school. Well, she came back to tell me she was happy that I'm a star of school. She's going to help me out with my coffee, which I do appreciate very, 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 very much. Okay, Janine and I both said that we would give you money to get to school next week. When I first met her, I was telling her, you know, like, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I can't wait to move because I want to go to school, and I want to woo, and I want to woo. And she was like, okay, that's good. Well, I can help you do them things. And when she said it, I guess I really wasn't thinking, like, yeah, she really going to help me. This is before I even moved in. So I guess when I did move in, she was like, okay, you're not doing none of these things that you told me you was going to do. You know, initially I didn't feel that she wanted to do anything different, and now I have a different sense. I feel that she wants to do something different, and I believe that she's going to try this time. And um, I'm just hoping and praying that she's successful, and anything that she wants from me, I'm there. Today is November the 13th. Right now, I'm finna go on to school and pick up my daughter's report card, and I don't think I'm gonna be too happy. But she might shock me, and I might do be happy, so we'll see. Okay. My first word for mom is I cannot help Aquanique if she's not here. She oh. cannot learn oh. if she's not in school. Oh. My name is Carla McReynolds. I'm first grade teacher at Oglesby School, uh, where Aquanique attends. She has just started to open up. Just started to make some friends, just started to feel comfortable participating in class. But if she's not here, she can't learn. She has missed a lot of instruction. And I've received her file from the other school, and a parent from that school, too, she's missed a lot of instruction. That, that's all my fault because I know she's getting of age now where she needs to go to bed at certain times. And she says she don't want to go to school, you know, I'll be like, okay, you ain't got to go, my baby, you know. And that, that's my fault. It's going to improve, I promise you. I think that Aquanique could be capable if her mom would just let go and just, you know, let her be a, a regular seven-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old first grader and just let her attend school. Thank you, Ms. Reynolds. I love you for being the person that you are, and I love you for helping my baby. Give, give Aquanique that same love, and that love comes with discipline, too. Okay, discipline. In the, in, in the same manner, it doesn't have to be a harsh manner. Discipline does not have to mean... I'm going to hit her, I'm going to yell at her. That's not the kind of discipline I'm talking about. Right. Okay? Okay. Okay. Give me an ashtray, Aquanique. I'm not really mad at her. I'm mad at myself, actually. Because if I made her went to school every day, get off my lazy butt and walked her to school every day, she'll be a little bit better. Thank you, sweetheart. My attendance in my GED classes are terrible too because of my car fare issue. I don't have money right now, which everything is coming out fine because now that I went to the aid office, I'm having my stamps coming in. As far as my schooling go, this pregnancy is not comfortable. It's just, it's very irritating. So it's like just sitting there all day in that chair and I'm always hungry every time I smell something. I just get hungry. I think if a person be musty, I just want a burger with a lot of onions on it. So it's kind of a 
not going good right now. So I think I'm just going to pause it. Put it on hold so I have to have my baby. Which I don't need, so I need to be going, but I, I can't do it right now. Today is January the 7th, 2003, and we have a new arrival in the family. This is Lanye Monique Ingram. She's a week and four days. She was 5'14 at birth, and now I think she's like 6'14 because she eats a lot. My Christmas is beautiful. My New Year's is beautiful, but the most beautiful thing is I have my baby. I can breathe, I can walk. And she get like a couple of months where she able to hold up her head. I'm going either to find me a job or to school. I never in my life wanted to do something bad as I do now. I guess because I was living in the state where and it was like, oh well, be like everybody else, sit around, get drunk, you don't need to do nothing. But now that I'm here and I look at my apartment, I see the cars gone all day. When I look out the window, you wonder, like, where these people at? They have jobs and they're doing something for themselves. Then at nighttime, you see them all come back. So basically, I just need to do something for myself and stop lying to myself all the time. Because it's a lot of things in life I want that I know I'm not going to get unless I get it for myself. And nobody going to come and say, here. Nobody. Moving Out the Bricks, produced by Long Haul Productions, Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison. I talked to them recently about the nature of their work, and I asked Dan what characteristics make for a good subject for the kind of work that Long Haul likes to do. They have to be open. They have to be articulate. They have to have some self-awareness. Things have to be happening to them as a general rule. Otherwise, there's really no reason to follow them over a period of time because it's sort of like watching grass grow. I think the best example of, of a character that we chose is really Coco choosing herself. And I remember distinctly sitting in a conference room at the um, House of Pain, which is the high rise that she lived in. And um, she had been a character in, a, in, in the initial story, the profile of that building. And she told this story of her cousin, who was, I think, eight years old and had gotten into drugs and gangs and ended up in prison. And she stood up and, and told it almost like a, in, in, in verse, like a poem. And we, we actually taped it and we, we use it in, in workshops because it's just so beautiful. And we looked at each other. We knew at that point that Coco would be the character that we followed out of the bricks, as she called them. My cousin was a bum so long when he was little. He had raggedy shoes. My auntie never had food. So it got to the point where these guys around him said, okay, become a little GD with us. And my cousin said, all right. And he became a little GD. He got another guy who came to him and said, well, I'm going to get you hooked up with these drugs you're going to sell. And my cousin said, all right. So when he first made his first dollar, he was happy. When he made his first five dollars, he was geek. Time he made his first ten dollars, he was charged. Like I'm the world. The sky's the limit. I don't even think he thought the sky was the limit. 
and he was running around here, and his whole attitude, even towards me, it changed. He got to making money, his walk changed, his talk changed. And this was my favorite cousin, and we was like this. But these drugs and these niggas turned it to the point where right now he's in jail for murder, and he didn't do it. He didn't do it. But he was running around trying to be so high mighty and thinking he was shy, it caught up with him. Now he in jail for 35 years, begging me, please write me, please write me, I love you, I love you. Mm. I'm going to write him, and I still love him, but on my time. When you approach a piece like, say, Moving Out the Bricks, and you explain what you want to do and that you're going to be following people around and there for pretty intimate parts of their lives over months and months, are, are, have people in general been pretty open to that? And do you find that after spending a lot of time, that much time with people, that it colors the way you think about the story, and is that a good thing in this case or a bad thing? I don't think everyone quite realizes the extent to which we're going to stay with them. They might say, yeah, you know, I understand, but then they're kind of surprised. In Coco's case, I think she, she liked the company, and, um, you know, there's this trust that develops. Um, people become more open. You know, it was, it was sometimes difficult when she would say things or we would kind of cringe because we knew that listeners might not, you know, might judge her, not knowing her as well as we did. And there's this the tendency to maybe want to protect her, which, you know, we really can't do. It's not really our role. So we, you know, we let her say things and use things that when she finally heard the, the final product, I thought she would be really furious. And she wasn't, which is a good sign because it meant that we captured her true story. I think, you know, in, in situations like Coco too, um, as we got to know her and as we became more concerned that people would judge certain things that she said or certain things that she did or didn't do, we became more focused on trying to present the whole story so that there was context when people, you know, were listening to her comments. For instance, why didn't Coco get a job? Why didn't she hold a job? Well, there's the scene in the story where she talks about how her grandmother never had a job, her mom never had a job. You know, she was raised in a family where people didn't have steady employment. And that, you know, hopefully gives a little bit of context and allows people to understand a little bit more why it's so difficult for her to do that and what a significant step it is for her when she does try and break that, break break out of that. So as we come to understand people and their situations, I, I think if we're successful, you know, we really try to present that whole story as, as we know it so that other people can understand as well. One of your more recent pieces told the story of the alleged uh, reemergence of the ivory-billed woodpecker also known as the Lord God Bird, in Brinkley, Arkansas. And the piece was a collaboration between you and Sufjan Stevens, who's probably best known for his goal of putting out an album about each of the 50 states. Now, did you guys know him, or how did that collaboration come about? Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek, I think. <laughs> I really, really loved um, Sufjan's music. I had been a fan of the album that he had put out about Michigan. And I, I sort of drew Dan into 
my um, Sufjan fandom. And instead of just using music to, you know, transition from one scene to the other, we thought, well, why don't we use music and original song to help tell the story? So it was a, really a huge experiment that we didn't know was going to work. And, yeah, I mean, actually, we just sent an email to him and sort of proposed this idea, and we had a couple different um, stories that we <laughs> pitched to him, one of which was in Texas. And I, I remember him writing he, back. And If you choose Texas, count me out, <laughs> I think is what he said. <laughs> yeah, so that, that one got eliminated. But the, the three of us were really intrigued by this Ivory Bill story. So we actually invited him to go with us. He he wasn't able to, but but we went down and got the tape. And initially he told us that he actually tried not to listen to the tape because he wanted to write something without having that color his experience of the story. Mm -hmm. But eventually I guess he broke down and listened to the tape and um, subsequently wrote this song. And I remember when we got it, he mailed us a CD and we popped the CD into our stereo and started listening, and we were just blown away because we expected him to send this little, you know, demo, basically, of him maybe on a guitar or something. But what he sent was the fully produced song with backing vocals and flutes. And, and of course, we were worried that, it, that, you know, we wouldn't like it, and we'd have to tell him that or something, <laughs> or, or, or not tell him. But, yeah, we were almost in tears listening to the song. Here is Lord God Bird. By Long Haul Productions, Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison. Music by Sufjan Stevens. My name is Sandra Kimmer, and I'm executive director and secretary and dishwasher and mop pusher, anyway, for the Brinkley Chamber of Commerce. And I was born in Brinkley, and it's flat since we're on the Delta, and you can see forever. In the Delta sun, down in Arkansas. It's the great god bird with its altar call. It's a place where you can find spiritual solace. We have so many churches. I am Gene D. Priest, the owner of Gene's Barbecue and Restaurant in Brankley, Arkansas. I came to Brankley in 1957. I was born and raised a 15 mile of here. It was like 5,200 population in Brankley. It's down to 3,800 now. So it's a strictly farming community. It's a place where you can call a wrong number and talk for five minutes. My name is Penny Childs. I'm owner and operator at Penny's Family Hair Care. We have a good little town. We have a good group of people. It's just our economy is not real good. You know, minimum wage jobs is what we mostly have. We have lots of tree-lined streets. I'm Billy Clay, and I'm currently, they're letting me be mayor of Brinkley for a little while. We have people that care about their community and about the children, which we really do feel are our future. We're coming up on graduation, and that is, to me, a very sad occasion because we're exporting these young people out because there's not anything really primarily to hold them. You know, some will go off to college, but they won't return. On the great bayou Where they saw it fall It's the My name is Gene Sparling. I'm an amateur woodsman and naturalist and adventurer from Arkansas. Was kayaking through Bio de View 
in February of 2004 and was in a particularly ancient primeval section of forest. Came around a small bend. I'd set my paddle down and was sitting back in my kayak, reveling in the peace and beauty and wonder of the place I was in. And a large bird flew into the channel and landed on a tree, and I thought to myself, that looks like a woodpecker on steroids. We learned today great comebacks are still possible in this great country, and this is a big one. The ivory-billed woodpecker, last seen back in 1944 and thought to be extinct since then. It has been rediscovered in Arkansas. The bird, once believed magical by Native Americans, Legend was has it when people would see one, they would exclaim in shock, Lord God, what a bird. first heard that they had spotted it of course I was like everybody else you got to be kidding but I had been in the area where they found it and I'm almost sure I've seen it before but I didn't know what I was looking at so you know it's one of those things that just looked like a small pterodactyl coming out of a tree to me. I'm Chuck Walner I've been in Brinkley since 1946 and I was raised right within a mile of where they probably discovered this bird. A boy growing up I wasn't really interested in looking for that bird. Back then I was interested in catching me a crappie or a bass or catching me a coon or whatever it took to survive out in the swamp. And it's a beautiful place. I've been a many happy hour out there. My name is Boyce Allwhite. I'm the fire chief of Brinkley Fire Department. I've seen some big woodpeckers back there, but I never knew that they had one extinct, any, you know, like this. So there's a good possibility, yes, I've seen the bird. Just didn't realize it. But, I mean, this is deer and deer season, so I'm concentrating on deer and wishing this woodpecker gone. I really didn't know anything like about the Audubon Society or anything like that. I've never been into birds. I thought woodpeckers was all woodpeckers. Now, if it was a new duck, it'd be the greatest thing in the world. Everybody in the world would be talking about this new species of duck. But, like I say, this is a woodpecker, and people just weren't taking it at first to heart. Truth was, I was a little bit ticked off at first, you know, because here I am, been out here fishing and hunting for some 40 years, and then all of a sudden they say you can't set foot on this property. Wildlife officials also trying to protect the bird's habitat by closing 5,000 acres of popular fishing and hunting areas. KRK4 but, you know, after thinking about the bird and what it could do for this area, possibly bring into the economy and to this town and surrounding towns, sure, I'm for it. But if the bird watchers can watch, the hunters ought to be able to hunt. And the fishermen ought to be able to fish. That's my opinion. And the hunters beware. Or the fishers fall In paradise might close From its safe flight flawed It's the great God birth through it all Great order? Yeah, you're real special. Real special. You want it dry or with sauce? Welcome to Gene's Barbecue. Home of the yellow-billed woodpecker. No, it's, it's ivory. Ivory. Ivory-billed. 
Well, on the front it said Gene's Barbecue and Restaurant. The back says home of the Ivory Bill Burger. The bird is the word. Well, it's two big hamburger patties, two slices of mozzarella cheese, pepper bacon, and a sesame seed bun. Jeans had this Ivory Bill cheeseburger. We said, well, if they can have a cheeseburger, I can have a haircut. Woodpecker haircut, $25. It'll come to a point at the top, fire engine red, and then the back and sides are tight with black on that and then a little bit of white in the front kind of copying his nose a little bit you know yeah you got to realize we're here in the delta we're right next door to the poorest county in the whole united states and we have been wanting something praying for an industry we're here on the interstate halfway between memphis and little rock and uh, we are going to uh, put skirts on our billboards Ivoryville Woodpecker Exit 216. My name is Doug Hunt. Some guy, I don't know who said this, said there'd be 3,000 people come from England out of the Audubon Society. Now those people got money. I'm uh, Ronnie Steinbeck and uh, I own and operate Paradise Wings Hunting Lodge, which I'm going to have to change to Paradise Wings Lodge. What I'm hoping to do is to uh, do boat tours. It'll have to be small boats and we'll have to be camouflaged and uh, go in there just real quiet with trolling motors and ease through those trees and see if we can actually find them. We have good duck hunting here. It's three months out of the year, November, December, January. It's real good, and then it fades out. But this bird thing is going to be good to year round. And my business has already improved like 20%. Everybody's enthused. We are just so excited. I get phone calls all day. You know, I have an old pattern of a, a woodpecker, and I just might see if I can quilt something up like that. I draw my pattern out on the board, and then I just follow the lines. I'm Rita Clements, and I have uh, Rita's Art. I have a shop. And that's basically what I've been working on is the woodpecker cutouts. You know, we have a Rita Clements, wonderful artist, and here she is just barely making it, thinking she's going to have to move down to Louisiana. Maybe she could sell more down there. Well, now she's not going to have to move. You know, she's going to be able to make a living. What I'm really hoping for them to be able to do is find the nest and find where it's at and then set up a video there at his nest where someone that's just come off the interstate can just cruise right on over there to the convention center, go in. they got a big screen set up there where that you can see the woodpecker on his nest doing what the woodpecker is doing and that way everybody in the whole public in the world even though you haven't seen it for real but you could actually say you actually seen an ivory bill woodpecker he is an important bird right now very important bird <laughs> like he's just been resurrected out in my mind, I'm 41, I've been in Brinkley 22 years, is the tornado. And that just happened a few years ago, and it was an F4, and that was really bad. But we're just small, never going to get noticed or recognized for anything, and it's great. It's just natural that people want something good to happen, and so I have no problem with Gene marketing his uh, hamburger and calling it an ivory bill. It's a good sandwich, too. I think there could be a point where it might get a little crass or gaudy. But this is United States of America. That's what makes us great, you know. And if it helps him give two more waitresses jobs here and they can pay taxes, 
you know, and they can go to uh, Walmart or they can go to the local cottage mall and buy something that they want. That's what we're all about. And free enterprise. Oh, that's America. That's what makes us great. We've got to protect him for our kids. If he leaves, then all of this revenue and possibilities that we had will be gone. And that's what I've been telling people. Love the bird because I think we're going to love what he's going to do for our town. And the watchers beware Lest they see it fall In paradise might laugh When at last it falls And the sewing machine The industrial god Is the Lord God Bird by Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison of Long Haul Productions. Since moving out of Chicago, population 6 million, and making the long haul to Three Oaks, Michigan, population 1,800, Dan and Elizabeth have been documenting aspects of their new hometown, specifically the search for a poet laureate of Three Oaks. But it turns out that's only part of the story. We wanted to follow, sort of do a mini long haul on the selection process, tape the judges, you know, get inside that and hear them go over all the candidates. There were about 35 candidates. And then choose the Poet Laureate for Three Oaks. And over the course of doing the story, we decided that we would fold in. We got more and more interested in in what became the bigger story and kind of became a backstory to the selection process is the tension in this community between the longtime locals, they're called, and the newcomers, such as us, from Chicago, and and also the people who come up um, just for the weekend. So we wanted to tell that story and how the town had been dealing with it and how it had changed. Because in this case, we're actually living through it, so, and we're part of the problem, as some would say. So really, it was, it was a fun way for us to explore what's happening in this community that we've decided to, to move to. This is Poet Laureate by Long Haul Productions. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to go through each of them, and what we do is get down to you know, the top, whether it's three or nine, and then look at those closely. I'm Alan Turner, chairman of the Poetry Board, and also chairman of the Board of Columbia College. I have a farm in Three Oaks and have been involved with the life of the town for the 14 years I've been here. I think we have some good entries here. I think we'll come up with a very good person, and so I'm really happy about this. The genesis of this was this idea I had which I vetted with Billy Collins, who was then Poet Laureate of the United States. And I said, you know, this little town in Athens of southwest Michigan, we ought to have a Poet Laureate. And he said, why not? And so I said, why not? So here we are. So going to number one, Ken Clark, I noticed you liked number one a lot. No, he gave it a one. You gave it a one. Was one good or bad, Ken? I thought one was the bottom. One for me was the top. I can see I have work to do here. They get $500 in an honorarium. 
they must do two things, one poetic and one not. The poetic thing they have to do is write a poem for Plague Day and a winter holiday poem. And then the second category of things you have to ride in the Flag Day Parade with your medal. This is number four, a Civil War soldier's bill of fare. For breakfast, coffee so thick it could float an iron wedge, so rife you might skim the weevils, though they had no distinctive flavor. This to wash down slush, cornmeal fried in bacon fat, then roasted on your ramrod. My name is Max Wessler. I uh, direct the writing program at St. Mary's College. I've been a part of the jury since its inception, which I think was about four years ago. Then at day's end for those coming back, turned by scraps of festering meat and decanted into thimbles, a liquor known as Pop Skull. I was first attracted to Three Oaks by its wonderful butcher shop dryers and, you know, the, the greatest hot dogs that anyone's ever had to eat. My name is John Kramer. I'm a masonry concrete contractor. I've been on a, a trustee on the village council for 20 years now, and I've lived in Three Oaks all my life. I was born and raised here. I'm 61 years old. When I first got on the council, it was still more like when I was growing up, a very small, lazy town attitude. And then an art theater opened here, movie theater, and I got the feeling after a while of Three Oaks as a kind of renaissance town. Five people did not seem happy with five. And anything that sounds like a Hallmark card, I throw out right away. My name's John Vickers. When we opened the theater in 1996, there were a number of businesses that were closed and vacant storefronts. Today, for the most part, the downtown right now is, is very vibrant. Three Oaks is growing very rapidly. It's a, a lot of Chicago influence, a lot of art and entertainment influence. There is the Acorn Theater. There are a number of galleries in town. My name is Kim Pruitt, and I own Donning Gallery in downtown Three Oaks, Michigan. I do paintings and clay sculpture. I moved here from Chicago. When I first moved to Three Oaks, I went to a town meeting and it was my very first one i just thought i'm going to go see what's going on then they were announcing the poet laureate that night so i'm like wow a village meeting with a poetry reading i'm in the right place my first reaction was why do we need a poet laureate we've you know, survived here for i've been here for 60 years without a poet laureate and i got along well why, why do we need one uh 19 is another three oaks poet yeah i like number 19 good stuff. i submitted yeah. one memories connected. Well, I think it's really interesting that there are so many from Three Oaks, because that was not the case. No, it was if, not. I mean, these submissions really have some kind of stature to them. Memories connected. A chili party event, a farmhouse stripped naked, bearded ladies pushing shopping carts through five blocks of snow. I am uh, Rick Tuttle. I own a little bookstore in downtown Three Oaks. We moved here about three years ago from Chicago uh, in order to lived the life we wanted to live. There's a lot of people here I don't know now that I, back 20 years ago, I knew everybody. U-turns in the middle of town and the uh, hustle and bustle that you find in Chicago that I wasn't used to in Three Oaks. Uh, just a faster pace, you know, and that's, I guess, a negative. I like any poem that starts, why didn't you tell me you were in the throes of your madness? I like With longtime residents and new residents, there's been some friction. The funny thing to me is that people think Chicagoans are coming in to change the town. But I think the Chicagoans who have moved here object to changing the town more than locals do. The people who have lived all their lives in Three Oaks, they see how the economy ran down at one point and how now maybe the economy's coming back, but it's not coming back in a local way. It's not like somebody local opened a, a manufacturing business or something, which I'm sure many of them would have preferred. The Dalai Lama resigns. Chosen at two, I never wished to be more than I was. 
I am tired of listening to your hopes and fears. I'm weary of putting on a happy face of fake ears and buffoons. You know, maybe there's some embarrassment no on the council that Three Oaks is a town that has a paid poet. Now, how does that look no when you're doing the budget or when you're trying to express that publicly to your community? And even though they don't pay the honorarium that comes from Alan Turner, it's a town with a paid poet. You know, when there are maybe potholes in the streets, how, I mean, how does that look? I might even want to roll my eyes. I'm a poet laureate, you know, not knowing anything about it. But I don't think anybody rolls their eyes now intentionally at the issue of having a poet laureate or, or Al Turner presenting $500 to them. A note for Tom Elliott. The still point of the turning world is axle, friction, and grease. The liturgy of heaven pretending that I do not have to dance. The still, still point, point of this of turning, this turning solar, solar system, system is fire, fire and, and gas, gas dancing, dancing and turning, and turning on, itself. on itself. Perfect love is constant exertion, and constant exertion is the only unconflicted path existing in this maze amazing me. I will turn. I think that's, that's a great free me. verse poem. Yeah. yeah, that sold me. There's a kind of thoughtfulness there. This, this, he's got something to say. I certainly agree. So now we have chosen number nine. And number nine was submitted by Rick Tuttle, Three Oaks, Michigan. He is a person with a love of words and a love of books. The poem ends with perfect love is constant exertion. And constant exertion is the only path existing in this maze amazing me. And being in this town, I would imagine, will be constant exertion. There's always going to be someone who doesn't uh, especially like me. But it's like, I'm here to make something. And that requires effort, requires constant effort. Let's call the meeting to order. Yeah. We'll stand and do the Pledge of Allegiance, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. This is the day in which the village of Three Oaks officially honors the Newport Laureate, Rick Tuttle. I don't think any community ever stays the same. All communities are in transition. A lot of the locals want to leave to get better jobs, better education, and the people who want it to involve them are the people who will change it and make it whatever it's going to be. And uh, I want it to involve me, that's all. I'd like to say that I am, I am honored to live in a town that does this. Uh, a town that has a poet laureate is a town I want to live in. And, uh, and I thank you all, all of you. That's, it's a very wonderful thing. Poet Laureate by Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister. Long Haul Productions has produced over 50 stories for public radio as well as numerous documentary films. Find out more about Long Haul at our website at thirdcoastfestival.org. ReSound is a production of Chicago Public Radio and the Third Coast International Audio Festival. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Roman Mars and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. Our production assistant is Delaney Hall. Lead support for the Third Coast Festival is provided by the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation with additional funding from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Endowment for the Arts, American Airlines, and Chicago's Navy Pier. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.